Welcome to Apply the Word. Today, June 3rd, we're going to be discussing uh, Benny Phillips' message from June 2nd on Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. It's a message on parenting. We're going to get into uh, that message a little bit. He went into his history on teaching parenting over the past, um, I think it's 72 years. <laughs> so we're going, to, we're going to talk about that a little bit in the context of Ephesians. So let's go. All right, so your message, um, I'm your host, by the way, Joey Phillips. I forget to say that sometimes because you all probably know, but I'm Joey Phillips. I'm here with our pastor, Benny Phillips. Why don't you give us a uh, two-minute summary of the message for those who didn't hear it? Yeah, we're still in our series on Ephesians, and the context uh, takes us back to uh, 518, uh, excuse me, 521, uh, where he talks about mutual submission and then lists out um, how important mutual submission is um, to live the Christian life, particularly in the context uh, of your closer relationships, the marriage relationship, and now he's talking about the parenting relationship. And, um, and so the mutual submission comes through in the uh, children obey your parents, uh, fathers, parents don't exasperate your children, and, mm-hmm. uh, which is a unique um, statement uh, in terms of the uh, kindness that he's asking for from parents toward children, particularly in a cultural setting where fathers had absolute authority. And right. I, I quoted Calvin uh, going back uh, quite a few years, let them be fondly cherished, deal gently with them. Sounds like a very modern kind mm-hmm. of statement that you would hear as far as parenting is concerned. But I, I talked about uh, making sure that all of the things we do as parents is tethered to the gospel, that what's of first importance Uh, is that Christ died for our sins, not uh, good behavior, good moral character, um, education, intelligence, but really the gospel, you know, understanding the gospel, teaching, demonstrating the gospel to our children. And then talked about the nurture and instruction of the Lord, the training and the discipline of the Lord that's translated different ways. But the idea is that... that We, if we're holding to the gospel, obviously the grace of the gospel applies to those areas. And Paul makes a comment in uh, Titus 2 that grace teaches us. And it teaches us mm-hmm. to say no. And it teaches us to say yes. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness. It teaches us to say no to worldliness. And, and so I was just contrasting those kinds of things. So One of the things that you... Uh, drew attention to was oftentimes we think of grace as yes. Like we, when you think grace, you think yes. When oftentimes grace means no. And I think in our parenting, at, at least uh, for me as a parent, I can fall into that trap a little bit of thinking um, I want to be a gracious parent. I don't want to be overbearing. So I'm going to uh, refrain from discipline. Well, Discipline is a form of demonstrating grace. It is, um, yes. And the, we, the 
pitting those two things against each other is uh, not not biblical. And right. and I appreciated that that point in your message um, you made. So in the verse, he says discipline and uh, what's the second word? Instruction. Instruction of the Lord. Um, and so you kind of took discipline and made it training, mm-hmm. which I think is a helpful way of thinking about. It. It's more broad. Right. And the discipline is for training. Training um, being the word there, and then teaching. Mm-hmm. And I think, talk a little bit about, we. I those two things are very, in different ways, very easy to, um, as a parent, find ways to abdicate those responsibilities to other places. Right. Um, why do you think that is such a strong temptation? I don't think that's necessarily new. Right. Why is that such a strong temptation for parents? Well, parenting... Um, I think it was Gordon McDonald said years ago, parenting is a preoccupying way of life. And that is so true. I mean, family is a preoccupying way of life. And I don't think anybody really denies that, but it's what they get preoccupied with. Hmm. And I think some of the frustration for parents is that the things that uh, they love about family, they want to highlight but the hard work about family is the thing that we all, I mean, let's face it, there, um, there is the human tendency to not want to do the hard work. I mean, at least it feels like a human tendency in my <laughs> life. And, and I think that it, it really is the idea of, wait a minute, I've got to get up tomorrow and do this again. Right. Oh, I've got to get up again today and do this again. And that's what wears, if, if it's not spirit-born and if there's not the, the, you're not thinking about it biblically and in faith, there, it really does get mundane and it right. does get hard and we just want to avoid. Yeah, and then we want to outsource some of those responsibilities. Right, right. Thinking back um, to just growing up, I, that preoccupying way of life, um, I, I've seen that in you and mom. Um, just growing up, you guys really did prioritize family life and raising your kids. Now, some would say, well, you were writing books on it. So, of course, you did. That was your thing. Um, but really, it should be every parent's thing. Right. It's right. not a... It, every mother and every father, it should be a preoccupying way of life. Um, and that is... Again, it's, it's pretty tough um, to... Like you said, it's not, it, it was you 18, 20 years. No, actually 35 years. Oh, wait, it's my whole life. Right. Um, and, and that can seem very, very daunting. Yes. If you if you just think on, in terms of the responsibility, that right. can weigh you down. Right. Yeah. Um, so fortunately, you did end talking about the, the joys right. um, that Scripture describes being a parent as, um, and specifically the blessing that kids are. And... That has to remain forefront yeah. as well. Well, and, and I think, going back, even tying what you just said to, to your previous question, I think one of the, the challenges, particularly for modern parents, um, although, I, I don't know, it might not be such a modern idea, is parents, w- with, without a vision, you know, people wander. And, and what happens is parenting gets... Uh, because it's there's there's a lot of natural instincts uh, as far as parenting is concerned. You, you, right. You, there's maternal instincts, paternal instincts. You love your children. I mean, right. it just it's there. 
uh, if you're normal. And <laughs> and the the and we do describe p- people who don't love their children as abnormal. Oh sure, you know, yeah. But what happens is, or what's needed, I think, is kind of a broader picture than just the parenting task and motivation and purpose behind it. And so, years ago, uh, you know, James Dobson was, uh, you know, the guru back in the day. And, right. And, and, of course, Focus on the Family was the, the name of the ministry. And it just, uh, at some point along the way, um, Shereen and I started using the, the phrase that it's not focus on the family, it's family with a focus. And that focus is the gospel. And for us, it was some of the implications of the gospel and the um, work that the church does to promote the gospel. And so we were really thought of it as being a family on a mission. And right. that mission was to build and support and commit ourselves to the local church. And so that mission-mindedness of preaching the gospel in the context and living life in the context of the local church really is what drove what we did. And, the, and our parenting then... Is informed fit, by that, yeah. Yeah, fit into that vision. And so therefore, it, it really did help us stay motivated when we... Uh, regularly lost, you know, our motivation. Right, and Jesus regularly prioritized uh, the kingdom over the family. Right. Not regularly, but he did. Right, um, make it clear that the kingdom comes first. That's right, not the family. Right. And so it would make sense, like that family with the focus idea, uh, is very very cool. And give having that motivation can inform those mundane. Um, mundane things. That's that's a great point. We're going to come back in just a second and talk a little bit about Dad uh, during his message, brought out, brought out some old outlines from the 80s, and they weren't awful. So we're going to talk about them a little bit. <laughs> so Redeemer Church has had an incredible opportunity to be involved in a safe house for sex-trafficked women. Um, and my mother, whose name is Sheree, is here to talk a little bit about that. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to talk about this. I am stoked about this. We are partnering with a couple of other churches in the area at Letitia's house here in Orlando. And we got our first resident walk through the doors about a month ago, Joey. And I got to be there to say welcome home uh, to, we call her L, that's her, her first initial. And to see the look on her face when she walked into that house uh, was just, it was, I can't explain what I felt in that moment. It's amazing. Amazing. So Letitia's house is a place where women who have been, uh, humans who it's, it's, it's a form of human slavery in our culture today can come and not only receive counseling and art therapy, they can receive GED or other education milestone training. Uh, volunteers who are teaching, Elle, for example, how to cook. They do uh, flower arranging with her. They do Bible study where she's able to understand how God can give her hope and healing so that she can walk into a future that's not only absent of abuse, but that, that can, she can become free from the shame 
that has captivated and held her uh, through her human trafficking experience. If someone's listening to this and they they love what they're hearing and they want to be involved, what are some ways that they can be involved? How can they donate? Is there a way that they could... uh, help serve at the house? Oh, absolutely. Letitia's house is over 90% volunteer-based. So the success of this amazing ministry is dependent on people in the community saying, what can I do? Can I help in practical ways? We need people who will come in and fix a faucet or help with lawn care, but we also need people who will come in and have a, a movie night on Friday night, bring their, cu- their their family or come as a couple or as an individual and just um, sit with our residents and have pizza and watch a movie together or people who might be interested in doing a cooking class or, or teaching uh, the ladies how to paint on canvas or just honestly, when I, when I talked to Elle recently and I asked her, okay, what, what's the most meaningful aspect? I didn't know what she would say. And she said, honestly, Cherie, what's most meaningful for me, that people care enough about me that they want to come over and hang out with me. Hmm. So we're looking for volunteers who can help in any number of ways. If you have a passion or a gift or a strength and you think, I wonder if Letitia's house could could use my volunteer hours, please call us or contact us at um, letitiashouse.com and let us know what you'd like to do. And, and let's see if we can make it work that you can make an impact on these ladies. That's great. What an incredible opportunity. All right, so you did uh, bring out some outlines that were pretty classic. Um, I got to look at them and see see he used to do 55-minute messages on one piece of paper with, like, illegible handwritten notes in the margins of whatever he had typed up, um, which is pretty exciting. Yes. He managed to turn yesterday's message into almost a 55-minute message <laughs> to the... That is not true. ...to my consternation. Um, talk a little bit about... You've obviously given a million messages on parenting. You wrote, uh, you well, mom wrote, but you <laughs> provided outlines for books on the topic of parenting. So you've been uh, in this world of teaching parenting for a long time. It was very interesting to to hear. But talk a little bit about. Um, yeah, let me turn that around on you before before we go there. I mean, what was what was it like? You know, you've sat there for years as a child hearing you right. know, these messages, but what was it like sitting there as a parent hearing these things? And again, it's not the first time, but it's, you know, it's been a while, you know, since we've done that. I mean, your two girls and, you know, what, what, what's that been like? What was that like? Man, it was, I mean, it was fun. Like, to me, the jokes... Um, are funnier, obviously. Yeah, right. Um, you, you made, I forget which one you made that Lauren was like, oh, that's why you guys are messed up. Um, <laughs> where you made some comment about your... Oh, oh it well, was the... Uh, oh, yeah. It was the... You know uh, that sin put yeah. Jesus on the cross, right? <laughs> yeah. So it was like, it was fun. Um, I think it was... The first thing that struck me about the message is how practically helpful it was mm. as a parent. So obviously... When I heard him before, I was the kid, and it didn't matter. But 
the as a parent listening to a message on parenting um, was very practically helpful from not in terms of do X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. but from the, this, here are your responsibilities. Make sure you're not abdicating them right? and keep the main thing, the main thing and train and teach your children, which that can sometimes get lost in the day to day. Like right. I needed that reminder of my job isn't to just feed them and make sure they are happy. <laughs> my job is to, Uh, teach them the gospel, to train them, to teach them things that they're going to need in life, Right, you know, practical things, but with the focus of here's why we're here and this is what we're doing. And I think those practical reminders, as far as just the message itself went, that's what hit me. There was was a little bit, because I haven't, I mean, you haven't done a straight up parenting message in a, I mean, in a while. Right. And so there was a little bit of like not nostalgia, but like, man, this is cool. Mm. I, like you guys, you and mom had, um, and it was evident when you go back to your, to your outlines and see the outlines were built pretty much this on the same fundamentals as you're preaching now back in the early eighties, obviously you would hope so it's informed by scripture, but you would think, you know, a lot of times you, just approach things differently. Right, right. Um, when real, it's it was kind of cool to see. No, this is we've been we've been doing this for we've been preaching this way because it's you know we had a vision. It was in scripture, and we were going to keep preaching right. this. It was really cool. Well, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, it, it it sounds different a little bit. You know, you, the way you communicate things changes over time, and uh, you know your comment about. 45 minutes from one page, you know, <laughs> versus uh, shorter messages these days. But, um, yeah, I mean, I did get carried away yesterday in terms of got caught up in the, um, <clears throat> well, the vision, you know, of right. it. And, but, yeah, it's, if it's based in the Word of God, it's going to not change fundamentally. And as, you know, we were looking at, at these outlines and, you know, the very first one, you know, the, the, the key points were what, what is essential for the family, you know, is the authority of the Word of God, an active relationship with Jesus Christ, an authentic commitment in the church. I mean, that, I mean that's right. Right. You know, and, and that, those are... That's what's going to be successful. Ultimately, that is what's going to make your children happy, is that right. they're going to be uh, believers, disciples of Christ, who, who have an active relationship and who are a part of and authentically committed to a local church. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, things don't change. I think one of the things that, that uh, was important for me yesterday to kind of um, highlight from a current kind of cultural um, standpoint was that the um, biblical instruction as far as uh, discipline is concerned, um, y- you know, it-, it was hard in the 70s and 80s to talk about those things, you know, and even harder now in the sense I, that, I do think it's tougher now. I think know. it's, I was going to ask about that because the the idea of discipline um, spanking in particular is 
I mean, uh, we don't know hardly anybody who who spanks their kids. Right. Um, right. And if they do, it's extremely rare. It's not a, like a regular form of discipline. And it, it there, it seems as though the that is almost thought of as even people who wouldn't say it's abuse every time mm-hmm. sort of feel like it's abuse a little bit. <laughs> right. That's what it, that's what it can feel like a right. little bit. And it's I think it may be a combination of seeing you know grace as the opposite of discipline, which right. is absurd. And there's also just you know people have because of social media and stuff like that you you do just see the bad cases a lot right, right. and you don't want to be associated with that right and so there's all these factors but it is it has gone out of style or whatever you want to say and you'll see memes on facebook that are i got whipped with the belt when i was a kid and that's why i'm the person i am today and <laughs> <Right>. like well <laughs> calm down everybody yeah. but the fact of the matter is it is in scripture right. and it it drives the foolishness out of the child there's a definite this is a good way of right. forming character in a child and i don't think that it has to look exactly the same for every kid all the time but there is this element of discipline is required for children right. and if they're not if you do not discipline them um, you're going to run into well, trouble. And but talk about how did you guys, when you were first doing this, because it's not like it was popular in the 70s and 80s. It was going out of style by then. Right. Um, how did you guys deal with the questions of, is this really loving? Is this, are we sure this is an abuse? Yeah. It, I mean, I think the, the first thing was to acknowledge um, the challenge that it was for parents to kind of m- m- make that... Um, switch in their minds that, wait a minute, this is a good thing, not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It's painful, but Scripture says all discipline is painful. You know, I mean, the, the I idea... I think that's one of the main things that it teaches kids. Right, and that that is... And, and when Paul is talking about discipline, or excuse me, the author of Hebrews is talking about uh, discipline in um, chapter 12, you know, he's talking about a father's discipline in the use of the rod, it's painful. But again, all discipline is painful at one level or another. And the rod of correction, the the idea isn't, whenever you see it talked about in Scripture, it's never talked about as a um, something that, you know, gives the parents kind of uh, release. Oh, I get to take out right. some of my frustration over right. my child. For no, no, it's the loving thing for the child. It drives foolishness from their heart. Even the word there in in uh, Ephesians about discipline, the training aspect of it. You really are talking about. That's a word that was primarily used for younger children. Mm-hmm. The idea of younger children need to be managed. An elder is one who manages his household well. The, the management aspect of things really is the uh, harder issue of, wait a minute, we need to get at the heart of our child. We need to, like Calvin said, deal with them tenderly. Yes, we do need to uh, focus on the heart. It's the heart, change of heart that's going to change uh, their lives, not their behavior. However, if you don't manage 
your household, if you don't manage your children well, then there will be chaos, there will be confusion, there will be rebellion, and you cannot teach an untrained child. Teachers in public schools understand that. And and that that children who are, quote, well-behaved, you know, who have respect for authority, those children are more easily taught. Now, I was, you know, early on at least as a child, um, you know, I was acted respectful. Right. You were compliant. I was compliant. Thank you. But I was, my heart was nowhere, you know, I right. was outward, out doing things, sneaking around, doing things. So there, there's no guarantee right. that a well-behaved child is actually you know, a godly child. But there is a connection between that compliance and the ability to, to speak to their hearts and teach. I think one of the things, so there's the there's people, who, I think, who struggle with disciplining their children because of, I don't want to, um, hurting them feels wrong, and I love them so much, and I, I want to do this. I think there's better ways, blah, blah, blah. I, but I also think there's probably a lot who the, it's hard work. Yes. Like it's much easier to not discipline your kid. Right. It's much easier to find shortcuts to getting them to comply without actually taking the time to go through the whole process. And especially, you know, anyone can haul off in anger and right. whatever. And that's not what we're talking about. But the actual using discipline to instruct um, takes hard work and time. And I think that just comes into play, at least for me, when I, when I, um, don't discipline when I should, that's the reason it's, it's it it, it is hard work. Yeah. You, you're waiting and using discipline as a last resort makes it a more frustrating process. When you're, when you're doing the things that going back to the management idea that when when you're doing things to train your children, like, okay, we're going to teach our young child to greet because, you know, kids just, they they come in the door and they want to go play. And you you said, no, no, we're going to greet Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so. We're going to, you know, whatever. We're going to be polite. Well, they don't want to do that. Well, it's easier just to say, okay, well, oh, that's cute. Go run and play versus, no, no, no. Here's a training moment. Right. Greet Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so. Well, you may end up needing to, in that moment, discipline your child. And that can be awkward and uncomfortable or whatever. But there's not going to be training of your children unless there's a commitment to follow through on those things. Right. And that was, that was some of what I think was, um, you know, for us, the the kind of practical things that we would get into seemed kind of, really? Right. You're going to talk about, like, it's important to make them, to make a, you know, four-year-old stop and greet? It's like, well, it depends on what you mean by important. Right. Yes, it's important to them. It's not important to polite society. It's not important (laughs) to... Nobody cares. Nobody cares, you know, if a four-year-old greets them or not. But as a parent, no, I care because I want you guys to be able to function in adult situations, one, so that you do allow the the things of the, what's the word I'm looking for, the mores of society don't end up being 
something that you are um, <clears throat> not aware of and not sensitive to. But more than that, it's an opportunity for you to learn how to, in the context of community, display the kind of um, love and concern for others right. that is an indication of the gospel. And so in teaching your children those things, what you're doing is you're saying, Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so, we care about you enough that, that we want our relationship to not be hindered by, you know, there's a reason the why activity of these the, children. Just and not to harp on this one issue, but there's a reason why greeting traditionally for the church has been a huge aspect yeah. of the gathering on right. Sundays, right? Um, and because it does communicate, it communicates something, right? And teaching your kids that at an early age is important. So it's not something that was picked out of a hat randomly. Right. It is just a good opportunity to instruct your kid and to and to have an opportunity to train them and grow them in an area. Um, but it's there's also a specific reason why that one can be an, an important one to learn. Right. I've got one more before we we're going to go a little long here. Selfishly, I have something. Um, for say you have two girls, one of them is four and one of them is eight. <laughs> um, the the eight year old starting to get into the we are still training, but we're also teaching. Mm-hmm. How do you teach an eight year old in sort of an organic way beyond just the when she sins, explaining to her what sin is and why she needs the gospel? What are some what are some other ways to start imparting to her? How did you, and I'm, I mean, I can look back the main way that I see it happened when I was around that age was involvement in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you have any other practical advice for, for the teaching of an eight-year-old in, in a sort of organic way? Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that it's the uh, involvement in the church that kind of drives the curriculum, if you will, because there, there are just so many um, things that, that um, you can teach a child at eight year, an eight-year-old level that you are also teaching others. And so as a parent, taking the things that, that you're learning and bringing them down to, to her level is important. But I think practically speaking, not that that's not practical, but I mean, everyday life, practical kinds of things, uh, really viewing and planning, in a sense, uh, your your day with them in mind. The thing that your mother did so well was that the the things that y'all did around the house were not maintenance of the house. It was the, the teaching and the training of her sons and daughters to um, be responsible, to honor God by being, first of all, obedient, but also taking care of the things that you, that the blessings that God has given you, taking care of your room. Faithful in the little things. Faithfulness yeah, in the little things. Yeah, I remember things. that. Right. Yep. And, and so even for, for, you know, a little eight-year-old girl to also to have... Her mom, you know, investing 
taking the time. It is so much quicker to do stuff yourself. Right. But taking the time to include eight-year-olds, four-year-olds in the things that you are doing and not letting them just sit on the couch while you're doing things. Right. And they're quiet because they have their iPad. Right. I mean, really engaging them in the stuff that's happening in the house. And, and, and that, again, you guys, you had a routine. You know, of course, we're homeschooled, and that was a part of it. But, right. but you, you had a routine. You came out to breakfast. You, you got up, you made the bed, then you came out to breakfast. When you had breakfast, then you cleared the table. You know, I mean, there's right. just those things sound um, very homeschool, very homeschoolish, <laughs> but, but they, they, they don't have to be. Right. They're a part of, of the training process. And it's in that process that you are hearing attitudes and addressing them. You are seeing very positive things and you're encouraging it. That's opportunities for the gospel to come into their lives in in the kind of everyday addressing of the uh, positive, negative, right. you know, saying yes to this, saying no to ungodliness, saying you know, yes to self-control. I mean, those, those things are very, very important. That's very helpful. All right. Well, we hope that that was helpful for you guys. It was helpful for me. So if that's all it was helpful for, then that's fine. Um, next week, we will be back with the next episode of Apply the Word. We are still in our series in Ephesians. We'll be going through chapter six for the next couple weeks. We hope you're enjoying these and we'll see you next week. <laughs>